What I'm going to do is invite everyone out there to go to HankStrange.com. I'm doing all of this. I don't know why. I don't know why exactly. And I just, you know what caught me? I, I, I've looked at, what is it, Brian Anthony Johnson or something? And he always does this. when he's, And I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I doing that? So anyway, um, where was I? Yes, I'm going to invite you guys to go to HankStrange.com. Sign up for the email list. Very good way to support us because we will be able to communicate with you. You will be able to communicate with us. If you look around on the page, you will find a uh, there's there's a uh, merchandise page which you can follow. That will take you to Ballistic Inc. You can get the Lot Lyle shirts and other shirts we're throwing up there. Now, if you're looking for the patches, we sell those directly on the website, so you can buy those there. We've got two patches out right now: the broadcasting patch as well as this blaster patch. If you get either one or both of those, both are preferable. Lola will send you some Gunvolt stickers from NSSF which we're all waiting on to tell us whether or not there's going to be a SHOT Show yet. They're holding us in suspense on that one. So big shout out to Harry's Holsters as well, makers of fine Kydex holsters, which I use. They've got a bunch of new stuff out there that I'm going to be bringing to you guys pretty soon. And you can use the code HANKSTRANGE, you get 10% off. I think that's pretty much it. If we're ready here, I will run in the open of the show and we will get going. Welcome back to the Hank Strange Situation. Boom. Make Lifestyles sure you subscribe to the, the channel, smash the thumbs ups, ring the bell so you could be notified when we go live. And we are live, so Rebecca is new to the podcast. I don't know if you know about this, but we make everyone do jazz hands. So we've got Joanna and Rebecca here. There you go, jazz hands. I hope you guys are ready for this. Um, we are live right now, and this is episode 664 of the Who Moved My Freedom podcast with our guest, Rebecca Schmoy of uh, 1MMAGC, which means 1 Million Moms Against, and I put the wrong person, there we go, uh, 1 Million Moms Against uh, Gun Control. Rebecca, welcome to the show. No, thank you for having me. Yes, yeah, awesome to have you here. And uh, also joining us is Joanna, Latina, locked and loaded. Boom, there she goes. Uh, it's not Halloween, but uh, I like your, I like those, uh, are those kitten ears or? Yes, they're kitten if... ears. Oh, okay. All right. See, I wasn't sure, you know, that could be like, uh, what's the name of those boy bands that you like? Can be, like... <laughs> be K-pop. I don't know what's going on there. So I don't want no, to assume. I wear, <laughs> I wear cat ears whenever the, uh, the impulse strikes me. I actually, oh, I didn't um. I know this. <laughs> Yes, very embarrassingly, I when I met um, Anna Paulina Luna at Shot Show, and she asked if if I wanted to interview her, um, I was actually wearing cat ears and <laughs> and my Tony Simon bubble shirt. So I'm sure uh, that was interesting yeah. for her. <laughs> she was look probably looking around for security or something like that. <laughs> no, actually, I saved her from security. They wouldn't let her in. I had to I had to come and save her. Oh, wow. Okay, very yeah. cool. Yes, and you guys have an interview up with her out there as well. Yes. Uh, which I think is pretty good. Okay, so let's see. We're all here. I'm going to ask everyone to smash the thumbs ups right now. We really appreciate that. Share that if you can. Um, you know, YouTube is still severely ghosting us here, so any help that you guys can give us is much appreciated. Um, like I said, our guest is Rebecca Schmoy of One Million Moms Against Gun Control. Rebecca, um, you know, usually here we like to start with the the uh, 
the guest who, who hasn't been on before explaining to the folks who they are and what they do. So I'm going to give you that opportunity. All right. Um, One Million Moms Against Gun Control was actually originated because of the incident um, regarding Sandy Hook. And when the other red shirt nagdivist moms came on scene, Mm -hmm. they said that they spoke for all mothers. And then there were a great deal of mothers like myself who decided that we needed a voice. We needed a presence. We needed to be in front of cameras as much as they were so that people like us who believe that actually being able to protect your children Mm -hmm. is what's going to protect your children and not draconian laws that don't actually do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, So... I got, I found this group and I got involved with them. And from there, I started writing to everyone who would listen to me, whether it was my house representatives at state level, whether it was my school board at my community level, whether it was the president. I started writing and contacting and then encouraging other people to do the same things. And so it really is a mission of not only educating new gun owners or children on how to be safe, but educating everyone on how to protect your rights and how to go about affecting change where you are with what you have. Absolutely. You know, it's weird, uh, and feel free, Joanna, to jump in here anywhere. It's weird. When these things happen, right, they're horrible and tragic. Um, I don't think you have to be a a parent to see it that way, but I think especially if you're a parent, you obviously feel that way regardless of who you are. It's funny to me that the media automatically thinks, everyone thinks, oh, now we've got to get rid of everything instead of, oh, this is exactly why I need to be able to defend myself. Well, they definitely capitalize on every tragedy they can. The same thing happened here in Florida. They seized uh, the opportunity of, of Parkland. And immediately, even though we had a representative governor and, you know, pretty much all our elected officials were Republicans um, here, we got red flag laws because of that. Mm-hmm. So they, they use the fear um, to push their own agendas. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's exactly what they do. Yeah. So you're saying that, <clears throat> excuse me, when you saw that, you, you had the reaction that I think that a lot of Americans had of, you know what, if, if I'm not doing it right now. I need to, you know, there's this thing called the Second Amendment. I need to figure out what that's about and start being able to defend myself. Oh, absolutely. I grew up in a very pro-gun family. Uh, We're hunters and we enjoy just the sport of shooting and camaraderie that comes along with the lifestyle. And so having guns and being around guns was nothing new to me. But going the extra step from having guns and being a gun owner and taking the step of protecting the guns from rust and corrosion and politicians, mm-hmm. then that was that was really the catalyst on how to translate what I enjoy doing, what I'm already bringing my kids up to enjoy in the lifestyle that we live, and move it over to... Now that we know that we enjoy it and we are safe and we are proficient, now we need to learn how to protect it. Yeah, absolutely. So just, I I think we probably skipped over it a little bit. Um, Where are you exactly? You said you grew up shooting. So, you know, where did you grow up and where are you now? 
I live in rural Kansas. Um, I'm about an hour or so south of Kansas City. And so it's it's just part of life mm-hmm. out here. Whenever I was in school, whenever I would drive to high school, you'd walk past the trucks, all the kids, or even the tractors, depending on what time of year it was. If it was harvest time, then you were walking <laughs> through the parking lot past tractors. Mm-hmm. And everybody had shotguns or a rifle or whatever. You'd go dove hunting in September. School would start in September. You would go out at dawn and go to the field and dove hunt and then go straight into school so that you could turn around and after school, try to get another hunt in that way you could meet your quota for the day. You could bag your limit for the day. And it was just part of life for us. Mm -hmm. I still live in a rural area, so it's part of life for my kids. Mm -hmm. It's just unfortunate that other people are not afforded the same opportunities Um, They don't see it as part of their everyday normal. They look at gun owners and think that we would be dangerous when, in reality, we're the ones that are actively promoting safety. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems seems like what you just said, um, I laughed about it because I live in the country now, right? But I grew up in New York City, so if you grow up outside of that environment, you're like, what, is, what are you talking about? But I think if you grow up in that environment, you realize that this, is, like, gun ownership is not even a political thing. No, not at all. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a people thing. It's an American mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. I, I mean, there's people who are Democrats and Republicans, and they own guns uh, in, the, in the country. And you might think, okay, well, if, for example, myself growing up, um, in New York City that we don't need it. Of course we need it. I, I remember lots of times growing up thinking to myself, how come people aren't able to defend themselves? There were a lot of cops around, but never when you needed them to save you. You know? Yeah, it's it makes it very difficult if you're dependent on someone else to be that first responder. When you have the ability and you have the know-how to be able to be your own first responder. I actually worked in a school district for five years. And in our school district, you have to petition the school board for permission to be able to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. So also in the state of Kansas, we are a constitutional carry state. So we don't have to ask permission from our state government in order to carry. If you are legal to carry per the second amendment, then you are legal to carry in the state of Kansas. So I could do all of my normal daily life activities and be trusted as a responsible citizen to protect myself and my children. And then I would walk into work and have to put that away. Mm -hmm. I'd have to pretend like I don't have that information and that I can't, I can't be trusted Mm -hmm. uh, just walking through a doorway. And Mm -hmm. it was insanity to me that we are living in a situation where I'm trusted on this side of the door and not on that side of the door. Yeah, that's, uh, what do you think about that, John? That's interesting to think about, right? Did you did you actually petition to, to be able to carry uh, a firearm at work? Not only did I petition to carry, but I made sure that I got um, as many people as I could that also worked in the school district to petition to carry. We actually had a huge turnover on our school board because they wouldn't even allow us to do 
basic safety across the board training. Um, not even with firearms, just basic get yourself to safety. These are ways to implement safety in, within the classroom. And so um, working for the school district, I couldn't outright go against the school district. Mm -hmm. However, I could use my voice and my platform to motivate other people to be active in it. And so we actually had a huge turnover on our school board and we had a huge turnover with our superintendent. And now we actually have safety trainings that happen. Instead of just being re reactionary, they're teaching the kids and they're teaching the staff different ways of going about securing your classroom or leaving the classroom or whatever it is that needs to happen in the situation. Whereas before, um, there was an incident at my kids' school and when they called active lockdown uh, at the school over the intercom, some of the teachers did the active lockdown steps other teachers walked to the door, looked down the hallway, and then went right on teaching. And okay. so it was terrifying <laughs> to my then. kids because my kids yeah. were brought up. They've they've always we've had these conversations their entire lives. And so my kid was his reaction was, no, this is what we do. And he got up and started securing the room. Mm -hmm. And so his teacher was a little irritated because he was interrupting class time, but it was, it was an active lockdown. And so he knew the steps to take and thankfully nothing happened. Um, it was a situation where a student had brought a firearm to school and left it in a backpack and left it in a room in a backpack. And then they were tipped off. The school resource officer actually found out about it. And so they were able to secure that. But at the time, the superintendent didn't want our own police department here in our own community to actively come into the school to take care of that situation. She was trying to hold them at bay as to not scare the children. She didn't want it to be a scary incident. And yes. meanwhile, let's my not kid get the police is, officer in here that right? things go sideways. Yeah. Yes. That's okay. Meanwhile, that's my kid was scared and trying to take mm -hmm. care of his classroom. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when we all knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that we needed to actively be involved, not just talking about, hey, guys, this is a good idea. But we need to get something done. It, it's a rural school district, and everybody thinks, well, it can't happen here right up until it does. Absolutely. A couple of things uh, come to mind there. I don't know if anything for Joanna. The first one that smacks me upside the head is um, what you're describing, the resistance, sounds more like somewhere on you know, the northeast coast or something like that, not Kansas. Mm -hmm. That's what I was actually going to ask. Um... I, I grew up in New York, like Hank, and then I moved to South Florida, which is just an extension of New York, pretty much. Um, <laughs> so true. That is, that's uh, very true. Yeah. But I always imagined that in the South, um, guns were kind of much more casual. And I wanted to ask, do they even teach kids in schools anymore gun safety? Is that a thing? Unfortunately, you have to petition I know in the state of Kansas, you have to petition your local school board to change or direct any kind of curriculum. Mm -hmm. So if you want 
gun safety curriculum taught during the school day, you have to have permission of your school board. That's why it's so important to show up to vote on things like that. And it's so important to make sure that um, if you don't have representation, then run for your school board. It's, it's just that easy. It's not as big of a commitment as people try to make it. Mm-hmm. And so um, we petitioned to have gun safety in the school system, and that has not gone anywhere yet, but because of COVID and all the shutdowns and my kids went on spring break and then didn't go back. In fact, their first, first full days are coming up on Monday. So oh, okay. it's been a long spring break. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, right? Um, you're a mom, but you're also a teacher? I was actually, I was a paraprofessional in okay. a uh, high needs special ed class. And okay. so I worked directly with the kids that can't get themselves to safety. Okay. They can't protect themselves. They don't have a voice. They don't have the ability to get themselves into a safe situation. Mm-hmm. So it was it was very hard when you knew that you could protect these kids in the rest of your life, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you weren't allowed to protect them while they were actually under your care. Wow, yeah. It, it, you know, I asked that because, uh, and I think I saw some people commenting about this on the chat. What's up to everyone in the chat? Please smash the thumbs up. Everyone in here right now should be smashing the thumbs ups. Um, in the chat and uh, a shout out to John Voorhees. I saw he said he was out of the hospital. That's good uh, news to hear. Um, yeah, you have this very no nonsense, tough kind of vibe going. Am I? Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's, you know, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah, um, I have three teenage boys. Oh, I right. Have to have That'll do it to I you. I've eaten a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, I grew up in the family where yeah, I was one of three uh, three boys. Uh huh. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you better be tough. <laughs> exactly. I'm yeah. outnumbered, but they can't know that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think John wanted to know. Uh, he says that the kid who brought the gun to school was he a threat, or was it like maybe he went shooting, put it in the backpack, and forgot about it? Oh, he was potentially a threat. He had. Uh, been actively bullied for quite some time things were not getting done and he was in the act of trying to determine how he was going to retaliate against that situation so it was it was a scary situation um he had left he had left the firearm in his backpack and then gone on a school function and so it was in a classroom without any other kids or a teacher in the classroom. He happened to mention something to someone else, and that is the the other kid tipped off authorities. Okay. So we we really lucked out on that one. Absolutely, absolutely. I think there's, there's so many moving parts to the whole situation of a school, right? And so yeah. many different angles to look at this thing. And one of the places that we don't look, and I'm not trying to excuse anything, Right. But one of the places we don't look is at bullying that's going on in the schools. The kids are very smart. They're very intelligent and they and they know they figure out ways to mess around with other kids. And often I see it's the kids getting bullied who get in trouble. 
You know, yeah. school administrators don't pay. I, I went through that with, with my kids in school, and often my kids would get in trouble when other kids were bullying them or, or doing things to them. And I always found, I was like, why, why does this system even work like this? Um, obviously, I'm not excusing that. I don't think that gives any kids uh, a reason to try to even attempt to do something terrible like that, right? But we, we are just, there's so many angles here that we're not dealing with. There are, and it's unfortunate that they are seeing kids uh, just across, really across the world, are seeing how adults are acting right now and the bullying that we're engaging in uh, just in the rest of life right now, especially in the political spectrum. Mm -hmm. And we are telling them with our words, hey, guys, this is bad. You shouldn't do it. Just say no to bullying. And then we are actively engaged in it in the rest of life where they can see it for themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's just been kind of surreal mm -hmm. that we've implemented all of these anti-bullying programs and then we've turned around and showed them exactly what not to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's some, there's some uh, I really feel like there's some weird kind of stuff going on, weird dynamics that's going on out there. One of the things I noticed with my kids very recently um, getting out of high school and going to college is that girls in, in many uh, aspects have become the major bullies. Absolutely. In school. <laughs> yes, very much, very yeah. much. Yeah, it's really, really, um, I, I don't know. I think it's almost like a pendulum. Like we have this political pendulum that swings back and forward, and it seems we went so far. Of course, we're trying to empower girls. I get it. I think women are awesome, amazing. We're all we're all great, right? But when it, it's almost like the schools um, see boys as, I don't know. I don't know how to say this. Lower class, <laughs> you know. They feel like they've got to suppress the boys and let the girls run wild, kind of a thing. Well, this is kind of uh. You know, like these, if you if you want to think of conspiracy theories or whatever, but or things that are taking long years, like years in the process. You know, you mm -hmm. want to say the progressive agenda has been doing this for years. Well, the male toxicity or whatever you want to call it, um, putting th down things that are masculine as toxic and elevating, you know, feminine behavior in, in men. So anytime that men do, like, you can't win right now as a man. It sucks. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. It does. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, to I feel I feel real like for my two boys, man. I, I think sometimes, wow. I you know they it's used tough. to say it's as a parent, it's scarier to have a girl because you know they have more threats in their life. But now, sure. if I were to have a kid, I'd want to have a girl, not a boy, because it's like between, you know, certain movements. Um, I'm not against, you know, I don't want to get into this political. Uh, <laughs> let's let's <laughs> go there. Let's the, go the there. Me let's too movement. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. I mean. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what to think of it because it's like, um, I, you know, you want to stick up for women, but at the same time, I also know that all humans like human nature is, is we are capable of lying. So I feel like it just puts men in a really awkward situation. So a really dangerous situation. So yeah, I would not want to have a son right now. It's a, I would, I would be worried for them. Well, um, that happened with that, that, that Indian actor, I forgot his name, but you know, I don't know if you saw this in the news where he, he got, um, accused of raping his ex-girlfriend and it was like what it was consensual we were dating and then it turns out she just didn't enjoy you know when they had sex and then mm -hmm. came out and said it was rape so mm -hmm. i mean she was proven to be wrong she finally admitted that it was it was wrong but 
you know, that's a situation you get in when you're a guy. I'm sorry. It's just, it's scary. Mm-hmm. Oh, my, my sons and I have those discussions all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not that you can't trust people. It's that you can't trust what might come of a situation. You have to live above reproach because if you find yourself in a situation where you are alone and you don't have anybody else that can come out and say, actually, that's not how it happened, mm-hmm. you are setting yourself up for a very bad spot that can change the direction of your entire life. Mm-hmm. And I hate to have to scare my kids with that. But at the same time, I taught them how to cross the street. Mm-hmm. I taught them how to be safe with guns. I've taught them how to uh, operate and and manage machinery like cars. Mm-hmm. I have to also teach them how to be safe with their reputation and how to protect themselves against someone coming along and saying something that might not be true, just out of spite or whatever it is, um, agenda or anything. And so it's unfortunate that we have to talk to our kids about these things, but we're already having those conversations as far as politics and guns and things like that. So mm-hmm. it's just a natural conversation for my family to have. Yeah. Um, you know what? And that's why I think that it is a good conversation, especially we have uh, two strong women, uh, which I appreciate here. I think it's a good, you know, it's a good opportunity, right? Because it, if it was me and some guys having this conversation, I think, you know, and we, we and, and guys, we have that conversation all the time, but I think it's good perspective to try to figure out how exactly do you do it. As a, as a black person, we have, you know, there's often that conversation that you have with your kids, right? Lola and I have had that with our sons about, you know, let's say you come across cops or something like that that people are afraid of. I don't know if everyone has that conversation with their kids, to be honest with you. Um, I don't really know that. But what I do know is that there's, it's more than that one aspect in life. So if you're a parent to boys, you're having that conversation. I, I assume that back in, in time, people had that conversation very much with their daughters, that you, know, you have to be careful of your reputation, or if this thing happens, someone may say something about you, and then rumors went around. Like I remember that when I was in high school, and there were guys that did those kinds of stupid things. Um, and, and got girls in trouble. I remember seeing, you know, situations where girls wanted to kill themselves because of things <laughs> that, that guys were saying about them. And now it's kind of flipped. Instead of us teaching our kids how to respect each other, right, it's, it's kind of flipped the complete opposite way. And now that complete opposite thing is happening to boys. I know that uh, one of my sons went through that where there was this girl that was on the basketball team. She was big bully. <laughs> you know, um, had like feet over, feet over him. And she was just messing around with him, um, all the time. And the school was basically protecting her. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't want to do anything about it. And I didn't even realize she was on the basketball team. Eventually I figured out, Oh, this is because she's on the basketball team and they don't want her to not, um, not be able to play or whatever the championships are more important. And I thought about it and I said, you know what, this is probably exactly what happened in my time but the reverse, that there's this guy on the basketball team, he's doing craziness, the school doesn't want to do anything to him because he's a basketball star, and how crazy are we that we didn't fix the problem, we just swung it the complete other, other way. Yeah, so. it's, 
it's it's really a hard thing to discuss with your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, kids really, I mean, naturally, and all of us went through this. Kids believe that they um, that they're Teflon. That mm-hmm. nothing's ever gonna. This it doesn't affect me. This is not a big deal. Right up until it does affect them. Mm -hmm. And then we as parents or trusted adults in their life have to remember what it was like when that boy or that girl not liking you or saying something bad about you, that was your entire life. Now, people like us, we're on social media. And Mm -hmm. so people say bad things about us all the time and it's just what it is and Mm -hmm. you roll with it or whatever. When it's a kid and they're in school, then it's their entire world. Mm -hmm. And so we do need to remind ourselves what that was like. It really wasn't that long ago for us. And it's the same for our kids. Only now with social media, it's 24 hours a day and they don't get away from it. They still have their phone on, they're still on Snapchat or other uh, Instagram or whatever, and they can't leave it at school. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I don't know about you guys, but we had a family telephone <laughs> where you sat in a room and you sat on Old the school, telephone yes. in front of your family members uh-huh. and had conversations. Yeah, one person days, at a time. Yes. <laughs> and. Yeah. These days, kids have the phone in their hand 24 hours a day, and they are accessible 24 hours a day. And if they are dealing with this at school, then they're dealing with it mm-hmm. 24 hours a day. They yeah, I think it. I think it is worse with social media now. I feel like people, you know, you know, they become uh, typewriter. Uh, what do you call it? Keyboard keyboard warriors mm-hmm. and and. Uh, mm-hmm. I, did I age myself? I said typewriter. <laughs> <laughs> I I heard that you're you know you're you're a little bit older than Rolando. Now I know the truth. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I know I what's definitely going am. <laughs> right. Yes. But yeah, people Keyboard people warriors. can be so um they can be so mean, much more mean than they would ever be in mm-hmm. person. And they have the option of anonymous, like creating anonymous accounts. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was surprised. I um I follow the uh, conservative groups, um, the the chapters of the conservative, young conservatives or whatever for um, my university. And I mean, they're a little bit older than kids, but mm-hmm. they're still like when you go into college. I went in when I was like 17, early 17. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're still fairly young. Um, and I was surprised they put up a huge banner, which they made in front of the main street of the university for Trump. And within 24 hours, someone had vandalized it with black spray paint and put KKK all over it. So I was really surprised. And it was actually the online presence of the bullies on on their Instagram page was very surprising to me. And the the university president had to come out and say something. He put a letter out. And I mean, they didn't care. They were just the Mm -hmm. the attack online was pretty, pretty shocking to me. So I feel like that's one of the reasons Rolando and I are, are considering not having children, um, just because I'm so scared of what it's like rearing kids starting now. I mean, Rebecca, your kids are a little bit older, but so they got to live some of their life away from that. But I can't imagine, like, I see my nieces and nephews are growing up with iPads in their hand. You know, mm-hmm. they go in the car, you hand them an iPad. Yeah. They're at dinner and, and you know, you that's what they're watching. They're watching Peppa Pig while you're, you know, feeding them stuff. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's going to be a really huge challenge and 
something that we don't don't be discouraged. So here's my here's my <laughs> quick thing I would say about this. Have you seen the movie Idiocracy? Yes. No. <laughs> you need to go look at that movie. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. And then you'll realize why I'm saying this to you. Um, do not be discouraged. We need people like you and Rolando. You guys are great. I'm telling you that. I'm not just saying it. You're great people. We need young folks like yourself to have kids. Yes. It's always tough to have kids. We've seen the movie. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But listen, it's always been like, you know, it was tougher for our parents to to be born and grow up in their time. My parents were born in literally 1946 in Guyana, third world country, obviously outside of America, third world country right after World War Two. It was tough. It was tough for people to be born here in America at that time. Just think about their parents, right? And just keep going back. Some people were born in the Depression. You know, so there's, there's, it's always tough to be born and to have, think about the people who came here and settled America and built it into what it is. And, and they were like losing their kids and losing their wife or their husband. And they just had, you know, they were like diseases, like how we're all crazy and scared over a flu. These people were facing serious stuff that they had no idea of what was going on. So I think we really need the folks like yourself to have kids and figure it out and do some things. Like I see people saying, they don't have to have phones. You're the one that buys them a phone and gives it to them. You know, if you spend time with them and all that kind of stuff, I think um, it, it makes a difference. So I don't know if you've got something to add to that, Rebecca. It absolutely makes a difference. Um, parenting really hasn't changed. Parenting is still the act of being involved in your kid's life. If you are a parent and you find yourself too busy to be checking in on them and seeing what is going on in their daily life, you're too busy. You need to figure out a way of moving things around or dropping something. Your kids are the most important thing you will ever do. Raising them to be good people mm-hmm. That is what's going to change the world. Now, people like you and I, we are right in the middle of all of this, and we are dealing with all this stuff in society today. Our kids are coming into that. Mm -hmm. Um, Their kids after them will be coming into that. We need to be actively thinking about what we're setting them up for and what we're leaving them. And so it goes so much further than making sure that there's a savings account for them so that they can go to university or they can get a good start in life. It's really all comes down to what you're investing and who they are. And so as long as you're doing that, there's nothing wrong with technology. There's nothing wrong with your kids having access to technology. It's going to be around. What we need to concentrate on, just like in the gun world, is these are the steps that you take to be safe. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it really does all mesh together. It's mm-hmm. just about training them up and who they need to be. 
Yeah, absolutely. And we're not trying to we're not trying to make you guys, you know, go have a bunch of babies. But you know, we need the smart. But they would be adorable. Yeah, they, they, would, be. they would be definitely for sure, hundred <laughs> percent. You know, the thing is, is that we need the good, smart. We we need people like yourself to really have babies. I think that's the whole moral of the story of idiocracy, because if, if the if the people who are running things to who are really doing all this crazy stuff today that we talk about here quite often, if they're the only ones having kids, man, you're just going to be an old person living in their world. Yes. So why, why is, what's the point of even you being here? You know, because you're going to be old in their world and they will be making the decisions for you. So what you want to do is have some people like you with your genetic encoding, like a lot of what you are, you were born that way. You know, I don't know. My my siblings are pretty liberal, so <laughs> they they were probably born like that. But you have you got the good stuff. They got the crazy genes. <laughs> you got the good genes. Don't let the crazy genes keep making babies. <laughs> you know that's the thing. You have to look at idiocracy. I don't know any other mm-hmm. way to say it. Some folks out there maybe need to encourage you, but it's a great movie to watch at least once a year because we're living it. Yes, I we am. are. Yeah, we're living <laughs> it right now. I do um, try to influence my uh, yes. terrifying. Yeah, I do try to influence my nieces and nephews. Um, <laughs> one niece in particular is my favorite, and I remember I went to see uh, Monster Jam with her, mm-hmm. and we went through like metal detectors, and they uh, made us go, like the you know the security guard went through our purses and stuff, and she had a little like Mickey Minnie Mouse backpack. So she's four at this time, and so the security guard went through my four year old niece's backpack, and she mm-hmm. got so upset, and she was said. Again, four years old. They shouldn't be allowed to do that. That seems wrong. So I said, yes, it is wrong. It's the violation of the Fourth Amendment. Mm -hmm. So she was like, okay. I said, next time they do that, just let them know. You're violating my Fourth Amendment. And she remembered that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. See what I'm saying? You've got everything you need to have kids. (laughs) You know? Um, So, yeah. So I'm curious to know, Rebecca, uh, we are talking about kids here a little bit. What do you teach your gu- your kids about guns, your boys? What do you teach them? About guns? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, all right. Well, they have grown up with uh, guns being part of their life, mm-hmm. their entire lives. Um, so like what was it like started... what, what, well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but like what I'm saying, what's oh, yeah. the tradition? I'm always curious about that. For folks, especially someone like yourself, right, that you grew up in Kansas, your kids were born there. Like, what's the tradition in Kansas? Uh, how do you grow up? Or, you know, how do you grow up around guns? What did your folks teach you? And then you pass that on to your kids, I guess. Um, pretty much what how I grew up was guns were always around. Mm-hmm. Um, they were not they didn't belong to me. So if we have a rule, <laughs> we have house rules at my house. And um, they're really established from my parents and my grandparents. One of the house rules is if it's not yours, don't touch it. I mean, it seems simple, but it's across the board and it applies to everything in life. If it's not yours, don't touch it. Absolutely. So I was brought up. Those guns were not mine. Therefore, I was not allowed to touch them. I would be in more trouble because they're not mine and I'm putting hands on them (laughs) Mm -hmm. than I would have been because it happened to be a firearm. Now, that goes along with the next step of if I wanted my own gun, then I had to take a safety course. And then I had to pass my dad's safety course after I took the other 
you know, generic safety course. And so then we had to go through that. And I spent a lot of time learning gun safety as I grew up. Um, It really changed it from being a fear of what could happen to a respect for what they're designed for. And so that's how I brought up my own kids. Mm -hmm. From the time they could talk, they were repeating gun safety rules to me. Mm -hmm. And so at this point, it's just second nature. They know gun safety rules like we know the ABCs Mm -hmm. because it's always been a conversation. Now, if I'm carrying concealed, I didn't want to be out somewhere and have one of my kids run over to me and grab a hold of me and then react Mm -hmm. because then I'm no longer concealed at that point. Everybody mm-hmm. around knows, well, what what just happened? Mm-hmm. I didn't want one of my kids to grab a hold of me to give me a hug and be like, oh, you've got your gun on. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. that's, mm-hmm. I, then you're not concealed. Mm-hmm. And so we would practice at home and they would come over and if they reacted, then we would have the conversation again. Mm-hmm. And it was just an ongoing everyday conversation they know at this point being teenagers they all know that you know it's if someone is caring it's none of their business Mm -hmm. it's none of their business right up until it becomes their business Mm -hmm. and then they have to know how to be safe with guns so that when they're in a situation and they see one of their friends or a friend's parent or if they're even at a gun range without me then if they can see someone else who is not following the safety rules, they can remove themselves from that situation. It's as much about teaching them safety for them to be safe as far as manipulating a gun as it is teaching them how to view others and how to know if others are being safe around them. And so it's just been, let's see, we we hunt, we shoot for fun, we do, I mean, it's just an every day, all the time. It, it would be really strange for us to not be around guns. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting when my kids have friends, um, especially earlier on when you go to play dates or whatever with your friends. Yeah, um, there were several parents that chose to not allow their kids to come to our house because I was kind of known in the community as... Uh, gun lady because I was so outspoken (laughs) about our rights. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I also had to have that conversation with my kids Mm -hmm. that, listen, it's not fair to you. It's not fair to your friend, but these are their views and we're going to respect that. Now, if their kids were to come over here, I would treat them just like I treat you guys and I would protect them and I would expect safety from them. But if their parents aren't comfortable, that's on them. And it has nothing to do with us. And so it was it was a hard conversation to have with your eight, nine, ten year old who is actively having friends and wanting friends to come over. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it really helped segue my kids into understanding how to respect other people's views. You don't have to give up your own views in order to say, I respect your right to have that view. I think you're wrong. But it's it's no skin off my nose if you're wrong. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's you don't have to believe what I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, and just to go back a little bit to to what you were saying about if you're you know when you were concealed carrying, and how your kids reacted to that. I remember a story like that with my boys that uh, we went out with some friends, 
Um, actually, someone I went to high school with that lives in Florida, we met up with her and her kids. And uh, I think we went to like one of those, uh, I don't know, science museum things that you have here, right? That has a IMAX movie theater in there. But it was kind of like in a bad neighborhood. And my son, I think at the time he was maybe like, I don't know, 10 or 11 or something like that. And he's like, oh, dad, do you have that? You know, <laughs> what, what are you talking about? You know? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and so it was it was very embarrassing, right? And I remember the ride home, I was like, "Listen, son, this is not a thing that has anything to do with other people." <laughs> yes. You know, but he but you know, just a kid, they can't help that, right? right? They're obsessed about like something happens and and they know we were teaching them about safety and that we have these guns and you know, we tested them like you said your dad did with you. Uh we took them to um safety class. I don't know if it was 4H. What's the is it 4H that does the um I know the NRA has actually some classes for younger, for kids, like introductions to guns. We did all that. We taught them. We tested them and all that kind of stuff. But it was just in their brain. And they, that's the only way for them to work it out. And they don't realize that it's not a thing that you talk about until you tell them about that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, like you said, they're kids. They're going to be interested mm -hmm. in things that we're interested in, mm -hmm. and they're going to have questions. And yeah. if you don't answer the questions appropriately and in the right situations and settings, then yeah. you're setting yourself up for them asking other people who might not have their best interest in mind, or you're setting yourself up for having to answer questions in front of people that you might not necessarily want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Sarksvist says 4-H, yes. Night Train says 4-H club. There you go. You know what's funny? So if you talk to folks who don't have kids but they have pets, they always tell you their pets are their kids. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> until you actually have kids. They're nothing like pets. Okay? I'm just saying. They're not. Yeah, that they're, thought's they're, in my brain. I have to get it out. <laughs> yes. No, they're they're really not. Yeah, your pets. Yeah, I wouldn't say that. I, I have enough nieces and nephews that I babysat over the yeah. years that I'm like, yeah, no, not the same. Yeah, people, I have yeah. friends who, who don't want to have kids, and I completely respect that. You ultimately, you, you totally have the right, as Rebecca is saying, to not want to have kids. And I don't want anyone to think out there that we're trying to make you have kids. <laughs> if you don't want to do it, don't do it. But they're not the same. Kids and pets are not the same. You know, um, and just to, by the way, shout out to Simon Says Train. He's out there. Just to, the, one of the things that brought that to me is I posted something today, right? Um, and I'm going to try to pull it up here so I just, you know, just so I can show you guys and the not. So I posted this thing on Instagram, and this is basically what I said. I said, don't let people who put you in the same box as their pet tell you how to vote. OK, that was my thing. And then I put this thing up there about like Biden saying you ain't black if you don't vote for him. Jennifer Aniston saying it's not funny uh, if you vote for Kanye West, if you write him in. Chelsea Handler uh, explaining how she uh, shamed 50 Cent. She had to remind him that he was black so he can't support Trump, that kind of thing. And then but also, by the way, I shared how you can write in uh, Kanye West because, you know, <laughs> I'm not telling anyone what to vote for, but you might if you might want to know. <laughs> How to do that? But the funny is he still running? Yeah, he's still running. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so. <laughs> uh, and by the way, he was on Joe Rogan, which I thought was actually a pretty good show. I looked at that. 
Um, and and uh, I'm not campaigning for Kanye West or anything like that. But I think people should maybe look at something like that where he was talking for two hours with Joe Rogan before you believe what the media says about Kanye West. Because it happens to us. The media puts us in a category that a lot of folks out there don't know who we are and they make assumptions and they don't actually talk to us. You know, and I think that same thing's happening to him. The funny thing is someone brought up the whole pet situation, you know, and they're like, oh, but I treat my, pre- my pets really good. Well, your pets are still completely different from human beings. It doesn't matter how you treat them. Your pet doesn't vote. You know, it, it, it has feelings. Animals have feelings, of course. You know, they love you, all that kind of stuff. But they're completely different from children and completely <laughs> different from human beings. Totally different thing. So um, Night Train says Kanye West may get more votes than Biden, just saying. <laughs> I, I hope he does. <laughs> okay. Um, and Tango, what happens if the birthday party gets more votes than the Libertarian Party? <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Would they get invited to the debate next uh, next election? Uh, what is the the birth? What's the birthday party? That's Kanye's party. The birthday. It's party. called the birthday party. <laughs> yes. Mm. I see. I didn't even know that one. That's completely. <laughs> That's completely new to me. Tango Hunter says, 35, no kids. I'll keep it that way. More money for my guns, ammo, motorcycle, and maybe a 2021 Ford Bronco. Congratulations to you. Um, Yeah, okay. So, I don't know. We got off on a tangent there, Rebecca. Where were we? (laughs) We were supposed to be talking about you. (laughs) I think we have been. I mean, we've been talking about mom stuff. So, that's that's literally my life no that's awesome and i think i don't i don't want to be presumptuous here some people were asking if you're a single mom um Uh, yeah the the boy's dad and i we didn't work out and Mm -hmm. um so i did the single mom thing for a very long time i am in a very long-term very committed relationship uh with a new guy and he's fantastic and my boys have someone to look up to and emulate and it's it really is fantastic and so yep that's yeah congratulations we don't need to go any further i didn't want to be (laughs) lola's not here right now otherwise i'd be getting smacked for being nosy but people people are asking so you asked yeah i I have I have no problem talking yes. about it. Before this, I told Rebecca if she doesn't want to talk about something, she doesn't have to. But you can see from from her own self, she's yeah. tough enough to uh, to handle herself. So I, I'm not worried about her. Uh, <laughs> but congratulations to you on that. That's cool. Well, thank you. Yes. Um, now, one thing I can talk about with both of you is you were both uh, on the 2A rally. You yeah. both appeared over there. And I was just looking at your appearance on there. Rebecca, before we started doing this, because I'm terrible. Yeah. And I t- you didn't watch the 2A rally? I didn't watch all of it. I'm t- I was telling Rolando that uh, the other... When did Rolando come on? One of these days this week. Monday. He was on this- Monday. Oh. Yeah, t- you know what? It's only Wednesday. It doesn't feel like a Wednesday to me, to be honest. Today feels like a Friday, but that's completely... <laughs> that's completely besides the point. Yeah, I didn't watch the whole thing because we were running around on Saturday... Um, sometimes when I was driving, Lola was looking at it, and when when I when uh, she was doing something else and I didn't have to drive, I was checking it out. So yes, the beauty of the internet is I could catch up to Rebecca on the internet. Um, how was that whole experience for you, Rebecca? 
I absolutely loved and I am so honored to be a part of something that shows the actual demographic of We the People. And so the group that the uh, organizing committee put together was phenomenal. It didn't matter what you what you identify as. It doesn't matter where you are in life or where you came from to get there. There was something in that rally. There was a speaker who was speaking directly to you. And it's one thing when you get up and you talk about a topic like gun control or gun safety or any of those things. It's completely different when you have people who you don't have the same background, you don't have the same experiences and stories, and you're able to hear their experiences and kind of internalize and say, hey, we're the same here or we're completely different and coming at it from somewhere completely different mm -hmm. on this angle. And so it was it was a lot of fun. It was really interesting having to record a speech. That's really not my forte. Mm -hmm. I do really enjoy public speaking. And so it was it was a completely different experience, but I had a great time and it was a great group of people. Yeah, I think you did a good job. Well, thank you. Yeah. What did you think about it, Joanna? Um, it was extremely terrifying <laughs> to do the recording process. It was. That was that was Why weird. was it so why cuz you know, obviously everyone's different and looks at this. I enjoy just jumping in front of a camera and saying some words. I don't like writing anything down, don't like speeches. So why if you guys can give me some insight, like well, for, why was it? For Rolando and I, it was a little bit more difficult, I think, because we were writing it, uh, writing by committee, if anyone's ever done it before, is terrible. Mm. Roland and I have a very different voice when it comes to, I, I'm, I have a background in writing, so it's like, I use these terms, like, my voice is very different from Rolando's voice. Mm -hmm. So trying to mesh those together um, was a little bit uh, difficult at first, and I definitely mm. was like, no, I don't like that. I don't like how you started that. I don't like that at all. So <laughs> it definitely took longer to do it together than if we had done it separately. Um, but then for me, it was, I, I don't know if you, you feel this way, but when you record something, I can't go back and watch it. No, um, I hate mm. that. <laughs> it's mm. awful. And I don't, I'm surprised. I want to apologize to anybody who has to hear me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You did great. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> but definitely, um, I remember right after we submitted it, I remember we had to submit it on a Wednesday and, um, we had called our friend Argo J mm -hmm. and he was like, Oh, how'd you guys do? And I was like, it was terrible. It was terrible. I looked terrible. I sounded terrible. I wish we had done it a few more times, but it's like, it was already late at night. And I was just like, just do it. Just send it. It's we're good. It's fine. Mm -hmm. I didn't stumble on it. The words too much. So we're just going to go with it. And then he watched it and he was like, what were you talking about? You're fine. So it's like, mm -hmm. you're definitely your own worst enemy. Um, your own worst enemy. Biggest critic. Your biggest critic. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So I guess, you're harsher on yourself, but I was definitely expecting like, I was like peeking at the, at the chat, the live chat, like no one's saying we suck. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did the same thing. Yeah. I, and yeah. I thought you guys did great. Thank you. I, yeah, I think, that. I think everyone was great out there, but look, it's natural, right? If you, um, no one likes listening back to their own voice. I definitely don't. Um, and then no one likes watching themselves back either. I think after a certain amount of time of doing that, you just get used to it. You know, for me, I always feel more comfortable just jumping out and doing it. And then once it's out there in the world, even if it's terrible, well, whatever, <laughs> move on. 
See, I like the live because then you have interaction. And so mm -hmm. you feed off the audience, and mm -hmm. when the audience reacts, then you know which direction you're going to go. Mm -hmm. And so not having an audience to react, that was just, oh, yeah, that, that was all yeah, the Right. Okay. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Imagine you're giving, uh, you're giving this speech and you know, there's no one out there like, yes, you're awesome. Yeah. I'm throwing tomatoes <laughs> at you, you know. I'm used to having hecklers in the back yelling mm. and, and protesters and stuff. So it's, this was, yeah, it was different. <laughs> yeah. Um, they should have done something like that. Maybe <laughs> added that in. <laughs> who was it? Was who? What was when, um, when they did the Republican thing, um, I forgot her name. That uh, I guess it's uh, Trump Jr.'s girlfriend. Um, oh, uh, the girl who used to be on Fox. Yeah, yeah. She's from San Francisco or something like that, I think. Um, but there was I, I saw Joe Rogan uh, making fun of, or there's memes out there because she was like having this big speech, like it was to a massive audience and everyone's riled up or whatever. But there's there's nobody there. So how do you do that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's not a thing that I have yet. I will work on it, but I don't have yeah. it yet. Yeah. Um. So someone, Kathleen, music lover, says, "What did they do?" Uh, I'm so lost. We're talking about the Second Amendment rally. Uh, hold on. <laughs> let me see. Maybe I could pull it up for you so you could get a look at this. Um. What was it again? I think I got to put. Uh, it, it's actually hard to find on I YouTube. I think you have to put two ND amendment rally. I think that's how you find it if you are looking for it. Let me see if we can roll it in here. Yeah, I think it's two ND amendment rally.com. Yes, here it goes. This is it. Um, and then when you go to the page, you're going to see the um, you're, you're just going to see the video playing there. So let me scrub through. There's Kevin Dixie. Let's see, right here is Kevin Dixie doing his thing. Hey, I'm Kevin Dixie. I'm awesome. You're not awesome. Okay. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to go through here. Where You guys were also in the beginning, right? Yeah, I was in the beginning. Rebecca, uh, I was first in beginning? 309. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's critique for a second here, Joanna and Rolanda. Oh, they look scared. <laughs> Rolando's not breathing. <laughs> right here, I can tell he's not breathing at all. <laughs> no, this is good. Though. It's good. No, you guys look. You look. Uh, you look cute. But he's like, I'm not gonna touch you, or you told him, don't touch me. No, I did not. Yeah. And right now he's trying to. He's trying to nod, very respectfully. <laughs> I kept That's telling cool. him, stop talking with your hands. He's such, he's such a Latin guy. He's always talking with his hands. I'm like, why are you gesticulating so much? <laughs> I do the same thing. That was rough. Yeah, you, you listen. My advice about that is just real. So one of the things here, let me pause this for a second. I don't know if you guys care about my advice, either, uh, by the way. <laughs> so, but even you may not care, but I will just jump in here and give it to you. I think it's easier for someone to be naked in front of a crowd than to just be themselves. Okay. Probably, yes. And what I mean by that is that you could like, okay, wait a second. I don't want to be naked in front of a crowd. No. <laughs> but the thing is, whenever a camera gets in front of you, you're not yourself. You go into another mode. You get all of a sudden very stiff. Okay, I got to be, I can't, don't move my hands around or whatever. Yeah. And I think what you have to try to do is just be yourself. So when I started doing YouTube videos and I looked back at those videos, I thought, man, I'm, I, I'm do, doing, playing someone else. 
that's not really me. I'm trying to do like nothing fancy who I'm a big fan of or military arms channel or something like that. And then, so eventually after looking at that for, for a couple of videos and going, no, I don't, I don't even like this at all. I realized I wanted to be me up there. So the thing that you have to do is just, if you get in front of that camera, just be yourself. And, and I often just imagine that I'm talking to someone out there. Um, typically, like my brother encouraged me to do this. So when I look at the camera, I don't see the camera. I see my brother and I'm talking to him like if we were having a conversation about guns. You know, and I'm telling him what I think about this thing. And, and I'm not trying to say that that's easy, but it's something to think about. Just try to be yourself even though your instinct is to, to, to like hide inside of your shell. I was actually really surprised that I had that reaction because by this point, I'm pretty comfortable in this setting in terms mm -hmm. of like mm -hmm. uh, podcasts because um, we do this all the time. And mm -hmm. it's different though. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not a, a speech. It's like I think I'm better off the cuff in terms of feeling comfortable now. Mm -hmm. um, Versus a speech, you know, yeah. and it was also the Rebecca magnitude. See, or, or I think we did lose her. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, let's see. Did we? Maybe her internet went down. Let me see, take a look. Uh, looks like we lost her. Okay, we'll probably get her back here. Uh, very shortly. Let's see. Uh, yeah, her internet might. Her computer might have reset. Oh, I think she was on her phone, so she might have to. Uh, dog Plug her phone in. in. Yeah, we'll get her back here in a second. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What you were saying? But this was also the magnitude of the importance of the event, um, I think, was messing with my head because mm -hmm. this was the event last year that kind of like made me who I was in terms mm -hmm. of, of deciding to do this, deciding mm -hmm. to become an advocate and, and, and be vocal because I was not um, I was not going to do that. I was all about I was supporting Rolando when we went to Washington, D.C. last year. So I think it was messing with my head. I was like, this is so important. I can't believe I'm, I'm going to be talking at this. So, um, so, yeah, it was really, really important for me. I think, anything. listen, it's, it's done. It's over. You know, you guys did what you needed to do. I think um, there's lots of people out there that think it was great. Can you make it better? Absolutely. All the time. And as you said, I think the more, uh, oh, there we go. We got, looks like we got Rebecca back. I did. Boom, yeah, I've. Had to cough a lot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think the more that you do it, the more comfortable you'll be in your own skin. That's, you know, um, that's the best way, I think, to look at it. So, and I think eventually, if you do this kind of stuff enough, you get over that you sound, I always think I sound terrible, you know? So, and then everyone tells me, no, your voice is totally really sexy. <laughs> You know, Everybody you, says that. Everybody? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so um, let's let's find Rebecca. So I think Simon Says Train said you were towards the end. Let me see. Yeah, uh, I was at oh, mark three oh nine. Three oh nine. Okay, boom. See, wow. So you, you're good on that. I was scrubbing through just now, and I saw three oh nine, and there you were. Yep. There you go, Cheryl Todd. You know, and Chris Chang introducing you here. Yep. Top shot, Chris Chang, by the way. There, there <laughs> top isn't... Shelf, top shelf, Chris Chang. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, this was good. It was incredibly intimidating when you 
were trying to figure out what you were going to talk about. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, the demographic of the group itself, Mm -hmm. you didn't really know what anybody else was going to be talking about. Mm -hmm. You didn't want to say the same thing that somebody else did. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. you know, it was, well, these are the things that are important to me. And so that's what I wanted to try to cover. And uh, I honestly, I sat down with my kids and we were at dinner and I was like, okay, guys, I've, I've got like 300 different ways I can go with this. What do you think? And all three of them were like, talk about being a mom. That's, mm-hmm. that's what you do. It's who you are. Be a mom. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Narrowed it down. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks, boys. Yeah, I think that was good. And how many, um, how many people did we have during that that spoke about being a mom? Honestly, I don't, I don't remember anybody else directly having a conversation about it. So, so. The kids were right on. <laughs> yep, yep. Job done. They, Job done. They um, try to steer me wrong from time to time, but most of the time they're, they're pretty good. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> most of the time. Absolutely. Please don't tell them I said that. They're oh. not allowed to watch this one. <laughs> okay. I won't. <laughs> um, Let's see. Oh wait, did you just say they're not they're not allowed to watch this? They can't watch it. <laughs> not not this part of this where I'm saying that they Oh, you know. oh I see. I see. <laughs> so let me ask you this. We should probably get into your social media and stuff like that out there. Or okay, so there's the group. What what's the best way for people to support you? Because I think we're like in the middle of this here. We should probably point people over to one million moms. So where where do we find that? Um, you can find it. Let's see, we are on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and everywhere. Uh, thankfully, my counterpart, Mary Callison, handles a lot of that stuff mm-hmm. for me. Um, she's much better at the interaction stuff with <laughs> as far as that goes. But um, you can find us at One Million Moms Against Gun Control. We also have a website that is 1mmagc.org. And then I also partner with the DC Project, and okay. you can find them at dcproject.info. Oh, okay. Or Very if you're good. just looking for me, then it's usually just my name, Rebecca Schmoy. I think on face, Facebook is Rebecca Schmoy, 1MMAGC Mom. And then Instagram is just my name, Rebecca Schmoy. Okay, I'm pulling up the uh, .org here for everyone to take a look. At it, and what is the best way for folks to support you? Is it through that .org that they maybe they find all the links? Um, you know how exactly? How does it work yeah. for you guys? What's the best thing for people to do? Honestly, we get most of our interaction through social media. Mm-hmm. However, when you go and you start looking at what One Million Moms Against Gun Control actually does, is we kind of we're moms, and so. Our role in the Second Amendment world is we bring a little bit of cohesion. If people from wherever they are in the United States, if they are looking for a safety class or if they want to know what their laws are or even who to contact and how to change the laws where they are, Mm -hmm. then we have affiliates in every state and people that we work with and trust in every state who we actually hook them up with directly. That way they're not getting advice from a gun page um, of somebody that may or may not know what is going on in your state or in your community. 
And instead, we are able to get them directly involved with someone where they are, boots on the ground, so that they can start to interact with them. And so whether it's finding training classes or changing laws, we're able to kind of be the liaison, the go-between and say, have you met this person? Mm -hmm. Or I would like to introduce you to this person. And so it's been... It's been interesting from the time we started it, and uh, and then Mary and I took over the organization from our founder, Heather Marchese. Um, we had a lot of volunteers. Okay. And it was kind of like herding cats all the time, and the volunteers were in every different direction, and then you've got a lot of stuff going on and hard to manage. And so we really streamlined in order to, instead of having volunteers necessarily, if you want to volunteer where you are, or if you want to hook up with a bunch of ladies that are going to your state capital, we will send you over to the DC project because the DC project is already outfitted and able to coordinate those things. If you want training in your area, then we contact one of the people we know in that area and say, okay, this is the kind of training that they're looking for. If you're not doing this training, who can I set them up with? And so it really has streamlined into just getting people the information that they need so that they can be well-equipped. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. Um, I don't know if you have any questions in there, Joanna. Please feel free to let me know. Uh, here's what I'm going to do while uh, while we're coming up with that. I do want to cut in some of the social media stuff. So on Facebook, if you if you just put in 1MMAGC, 1 Million Moms Against Gun Control pops up. And I'll show it to you guys right there. And there's 81,000 and one people. Wait, hold on. I smashed the wrong button. There you go. I'm, I'm liking it now. <coughs> so cool. Um, and, and I'm assuming you could do the same thing on Instagram, right? Yes. Okay, let's go do that. Uh, one. We tried to make it as easy as possible. It's a really long name. Yeah, and it's that a long helps name. so much. <laughs> right? It's a long name because <laughs> when the Nagdivists and the Red Shirts first came out, mm -hmm. they actually came out as One Million Moms for Gun Control. Mm -hmm. And so when the founder started it, it was in direct opposition to that. And, of course, they've got... Bloomberg money, so they've gone through a lot of branding changes through the years between Everytown and Mom's Demand and all of that, mm -hmm. and all of their little satellite groups. And so we decided to keep the One Million Moms Against Gun Control, and people uh, like to try to tell us how many, well, you only have so many people that follow you. And we're like, yeah, but trust me, there's a million of us out there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, when it comes to funding... How are you guys funded? Actually, right at the moment, we are we fund ourselves. Okay. Because we um, all of our travel expenses, all of our um, anytime we print T-shirts or any of that stuff, we just take care of it ourselves. We don't have a Bloomberg, and so no um, one writing <laughs> you big hundred million dollar checks and stuff like that. No, I mean if somebody oh. wanted to, then we could set it up to where we could where we could get those. Mm -hmm. But we are listed as a C four, and so those would not be uh, deductible on your taxes. But that also frees us up to be able to support 
or um, not support certain political uh, people and entities. And so yeah. we just needed to be able to keep ourselves safe mm -hmm. as far as that was concerned. We yeah. don't get into it as mm -hmm. often as what we used to. However, if somebody writes something, mm -hmm. we don't want um, it to be a distraction from what we're actually doing and have to fight a legal battle because somebody said, I really like this guy or I really don't like this one. Mm -hmm. So it was it was just in our best interest to set it up that way. <laughs> okay. Um, I vote that you guys open a Patreon or, or mm -hmm. uh, something like that because um, a lot of our friends are advocates and, you know, I think a lot of people like to give a little bit of money to some people. So I think that would be a good thing. I would definitely support that. Well, that cause. You. I agree with that. DC Project does actually, they have both a C3 setup and a C4 setup. And so um, a lot of times when people are actively wanting to know how they can donate to the cause, um, then we kick them over to the DC Project. So, mm -hmm. yep. I recently, uh, I am now a, uh, I haven't done anything yet, but <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I am representing uh, South Florida. Awesome. <laughs> I haven't done anything. I just started. Okay, you're I official. Just, I, it's good to have you. Yeah. Yeah. You're but official. I'm. Uh, I, I uh, talked to the uh, representative of my state, and and we, you know, we shared our information and all that, and talked to Diane and all that. So oh, really excited to do something. Yes. Looking yeah. forward to doing something soon. Oh, yeah. it's gonna be it's fabulous, and the people who are involved are involved for the right reasons, and that makes really all the difference in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, the conversation about money and funding, uh, it's a really serious one, right? Because what you're going up against is a lot of money, right? And yeah. there's, there's conversations being had out there, and it's controlled in a lot of ways by those, those folks who have money. And when we're looking at things, we were talking uh, behind the scenes here about what's going on in Congress right now with Google being up there and Twitter and Facebook and, and they're talking to them. And I know just looking at that myself, there was this stark difference between what the Republicans were saying and what Democrats were saying. Democrats are like, oh, these Republicans are here complaining. There's nothing going, nothing wrong. There's nothing to see over here. Everything's awesome. Um, and then Republicans obviously were saying, what's, what's the deal? You know, why, why is there so much censorship of conservative voices that are out there? And we know that's true. We know the reality is... Like right now, we're being ghosted on this thing. If we're, regardless of Instagram, Facebook, wherever you go, people are being deplatformed. Our voices are being suppressed. If we post up something, there's all kinds of things going up there, tagged behind it, or we're getting kicked off. Um, and it really, it really, really is important to to have that money to fight this fight. Uh, when it comes to lawyers and all those kinds of things that are involved. What's what's your thoughts, either one of you, but I'll start with Rebecca. What's your thoughts on what's going on here and why you're not getting funding from whoever the powers may be? In the eight years that I've been doing the Million Moms advocacy, um, we went through several different transitional periods as far as doing fundraising and seeking out donors and things like that. 
we have seen everything from people who would love to give, but they don't have anything, all the way across the board to the people who have it, but they they don't necessarily want to give it for that in mm-hmm. particular. And so then we did a lot of maneuvering as far as what our goals were going to be in order to try to chase funding. And that really, we needed to go back to square one and really go back to why are we doing this? Why are we in this? What is our motivation? Who are we trying to reach and what do we want to accomplish? And when we did that, as far as Million Moms was concerned, we realized that building the relationships was more important to us at the time than seeking funding. Especially since we did have a network of people across the nation that we are a phone call or a text message away from. And so we didn't need to be actively going to things. Where we run into problems is mostly somebody wants to put on an event in their area and we would love to help them. But if we help one, Mm -hmm. (laughs) then we're going to be hit up. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be very careful on who we help sponsor or things that we ourselves get involved with. Okay. And it's it's almost like we moved from one section to the complete opposite <laughs> side of the pendulum where instead of seeking funding, people are coming to us for funding. Mm-hmm. And then we have to remind them Guys, yeah, we're just you're looking moms. for funding we're, too. Yeah, we're just the go between. <laughs> yeah, everyone's I, asking I everyone for money. No one's giving up money. Business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, especially, and then I get involved with a situation like the DC project. Mm-hmm. In the DC project, we are actively sending women from every state to our capital mm-hmm. and talking to Congress. And so we actually have to have the funding and the backing for that. This coming weekend, um, Halloween weekend, they are actually doing a fundraiser in Texas where it's a three-gun match and they're having this big costume party for the DC project and it's it's a big fundraising event. And so it's been interesting learning from that side what the fundraising looks like as opposed to a couple of moms that's we're just trying to help you find training. That's that's our biggest goal is this is this is what we do. We help you get hooked up with somebody in your area and then there's really no money exchange there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would really like to know though, um, where is the money in the gun community fighting for the second amendment? Where's that money? I mean, that's a serious question that I'm asking you guys right now. I I actually think it's Due to the nature of, again, you know, the Second Amendment shouldn't be a partisan thing at all. But let's just, you know, get past that. And and it is now, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And conservative people tend to be very, instead of, like, very generous, they tend to be, like, it's it's just the nature of being fiscally conservative. If you have the money, they tend to be very conservative with that money. And also, people tend to be... Well, you know, I'd rather just go get a giant farm or live on a mountain and be an isolationist versus trying to fix the problem. So mm-hmm. I think that's just the nature of, you know, who who we are 
intrinsically as a movement. I don't want to say that's everyone because obviously there's a lot of diversity. Mm -hmm. But if you want to say historically, like the people who are the gun people, that tends to be a trait that isn't a lot of them. And the rich people tend to stay rich by not giving their money. Um. Well, and then you've got you've got all the people that for years we were conditioned to you know, send $30 in for your membership and we've got it from here. You don't need to lift a finger. You just send us this, we'll send you a patch and we've got the fight for you. And so we were all conditioned to let someone else do the heavy lifting. And all it was going to cost us was 30 bucks a year. And so you send in your 30 bucks and you're like, oh, well, yeah, they've got that. I don't need yeah, to worry about yeah, it anymore. You're, you're, you're talking I'll live about my life. NRA yeah. and, and organizations like that. Um, uh, yes, organizations like that. Mm -hmm. um, we got very complacent, mm -hmm. and unfortunately, we stopped putting money where our mouth is. Um, so we've just kind of fallen into this rut mm -hmm. of, well, you know, I gave it the office, no yeah. big deal. Mm -hmm. it's, I, I think it's, I agree. But that's that's everyday Americans. It's I think what you yeah. were asking before was like, where are the pro pro two A millionaires at? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Are there any out there? Well, so, <laughs> I, so first of all, if we if we want to examine this, right, it's a multi multi billion dollar industry. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. There's lots of money in it, and right now at this time, there's even more money coming in, right? I think so far this year, the, the estimates are somewhere between six and twelve million new gun gun owners. Yes. People getting in, buying new stuff. Everything is selling, right? No handguns available. Uh, rifles are getting sold out, ammo's gone, right? So there's lots of money in it right now, and there has been for a while, and it's a, it's a big multi-billion dollar industry, okay? So there's money there. And for sure, if we look at organizations like the NRA, um, that's probably the biggest one. They were getting hundreds of millions of dollars, okay? They were definitely burning through $100 million a year, and they're totally ineffective right now. Yes. At right this now, moment, they, and yes, it, it's totally yes. ineffective, more so than ever in history. We have an election going on, and the NRA is not able to put any kind of pressure on politicians. Yeah. Okay? So there's definitely money here, and people giving up money, and I tend to agree with what Rebecca is saying, that, yeah, we would just go in the lazy route, including the industry. The industry is like, hey, we believe in the Second Amendment. We gave money to the NRA. Yep. And lots of people, NRA still has 5 million members. So lots of gun guys out there are still playing that game. They're still just giving them their money for what we don't know. You know, so I think that really is the problem. I think there's money here. For sure, there's more money on the other side. And ultimately, this money, this construct of money is just for buying stuff. Let's be honest about it, right? doesn't make you happy. <laughs> You know, all those kinds of things. It's for buying things. And the other side gets it, right? These, why would these, all these billionaires line up and go, yeah, we're going to buy control over human beings? And then they're out there doing it. And it seems like the politicians and everyone else is going along with that. And then we're in this position as just regular folks that we're fighting every day. And we know it takes money. Yes. 
and no one's trying to give it up. And I think the reason why I ask you guys this question, and I try to ask it all the time, what's happening? Why is everyone just giving their money and giving their money to these organizations and then there's nothing that comes out of it? Even I remember um, there was an activist group trying to uh, get, get control of the NRA and they had about 120, $150 million dollars. And they were like, yeah, we're going to hold this back until we get our way. NRA is like, whatever, we don't care. We got money. You know, how about that $120, $150 million going to some good use when there's all these other organizations out there, right? Like One Million Moms, GOA, this organization, that organization. There's folks out there fighting for the Second Amendment. Why not, instead of giving it to one or two or three uh, big organizations out there disseminate that to all the small soldiers individually yeah. out there fighting and, and have them every day fighting and interacting with real people in America. Moms, you know, uh, women, black people, all these organizations that are out there. There's, uh, you know, there's uh, organizations that, that are for gay people. They're for this, mm -hmm. they're for that. And they're all pro-gun. And they're not getting any funding to get the message out there. And then meanwhile, we're getting our, our butts kicked from everywhere. I can answer that because mm -hmm. the average gun owner doesn't know about GOA. The 2A community is a minority within the gun community. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not, you know, we, I think we, we live in an echo chamber a lot of times. So we assume that everybody knows all these things, but mm -hmm. I mean, we really don't. Most people don't. When I talk to, I love talking to like random people you know, I pick up cues. I had a guy walk into my office who was wearing a two A hat. Mm -hmm. So I was like, Oh, okay, this guy is gonna know something. So I start chatting with him. He's like, I support the NRA. <laughs> and then I said something like, Oh, I'm an advocate. He's like, Oh, good. I support the NRA too. Like I'm like that there's more to um, well, Second people, Amendment than the people, NRA. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right in what you just said. Even within the NRA, most folks out there still think it's the NRA fighting. They don't know that the NRA has been wasting millions of dollars. By the way, they've been fundraising harder than ever as the election has comes up. I don't know if anyone is a member. Sure. I am a range safety officer, so I have to be a member. And I am just, my mailbox is full of crap and my emails are full of crap right now. Um, so I just want to be like, what are you guys doing with this right now? Because I don't see them doing anything. And they're anything. getting the money. Yeah. This is the thing yeah. to what we're saying. The folks out there who don't look at the news enough, and that's on both sides. I agree with you. It's not just, um, you know, it's not just kids that don't look at the news, not just liberals that don't look at the news, conservatives. No one looks at it. <laughs> A minority of people who realize what we're truly losing <laughs> and that, that are looking at this every day, that's us. Yes. And everyone else is like, oh, something's going on. Let me give my money to the NRA. NRA is happily like, yeah, let's get that money. You know? Well, and then you've got all the people that paid in their life memberships mm -hmm. that are not right now being represented. And so you've got, they're, they're continuing to ask you for additional funding, but you've already paid in. You're already a life member and... For whatever reason, whatever they've decided to spend the money on, your voice is not being heard. You're not being represented by that organization. And granted, they're not the or the only organization out there that um, has mismanaged money <laughs> or that has slacked on things um, that we were expecting for them to do. It just happens to be the biggest one in True. 
our <laughs> in our life right now. Yes. And so there are a ton of organizations, and not only do we need to be getting involved in supporting financially the smaller organizations, um, pick a demographic. I mean, mm -hmm. it's you'll find one that supports the Second Amendment. Mm -hmm. But we need to actively be supporting them with our time and our effort and whatever our skills are. If you're a graphic designer, help them out. Mm -hmm. If you um, if you write amazing articles, go find somebody uh, with that organization and say, this is what my skill set is. How can I help you? Mm -hmm. And start volunteering. It's not just about giving donations. It's about giving of yourself and getting yourself involved. Mm -hmm. A lot of these smaller organizations um, have a hard time getting and maintaining volunteers. And so being that person that will go to the organization and do things, set up the coffee for a meeting or set up, you know, pamphlets or whatever it is that you can physically go and do sit there at the desk as people walk in and check their name, you know? Mm -hmm. These organizations need bodies to be able to help them. It's not just financial. And I know a lot of people, especially right now with our economy, the way that it has been and all the COVID fallout and all of that, they might not have funding right now that they're able to put into that, mm -hmm. but you still have time. You still have whatever your skill is mm -hmm. and you need to be getting involved yourself. I agree. So it's, that. it, it's, that's the a resource, lot that's the resource that most of us have. Um, I, by yes. the way, shout out to Clover Tack. I see him having a heated conversation with someone in the chat. Um, kind of like a side subject to what we're talking about here, because the guy he's talking to thinks that, um, all the YouTube guys have money. <laughs> uh, which you know or people on social media all have a lot of money which is a joke yeah. this is how i burn through a lot of uh money to be honest with you um, right you know yes, it's an investment for sure yeah for, but without a doubt there's a couple of people that are getting a lot of money uh, for sure I, I i wouldn't argue that at all but i think most of us don't have that and we're here every day like I'm, this is i'm in a studio i'm in an office space that we rent we pay a lot of money for for all the things that are in it so that we could do this Monday to Friday. You know, it takes money to do this, and there are those of us who are out here doing it. I think the convers to go to speak for a second to the conversation that CloverTech's having in the chat, it's on the folks out there who are giving money to people or whatever. It's on you to know what the people you're giving money to are doing with it. Absolutely. So if you're just giving money to the most popular people, and then expecting, that's the same thing like the NRA deal, right? You're just giving the money up and you're expecting them to do something. What are you doing every day to see, hey, is this guy out there fighting every day? Is he doing something about this? Is he out there? Is he helping people? You need to gauge that. It's the same thing that we need to do with NRA, NSSF, other organizations that are out there saying that they're doing things. We, we can't just give away the money and then abdicate the responsibility but the big resource that we have every day, which I agree with you, Rebecca, is us. You could do something every day. You could do something about it. I think one of the problems with that is a lot of people, in today's world, you can exhaust yourself on social media. Yes. So, 
You get out there on Instagram, whatever your favorite thing is, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, and you exhaust yourself fighting with people and you feel like, oh, well, there, there, I did it. Yes. You know, now yeah. I, po I post stuff too, but you have to get out there every day and actually try to like do something, which I think um, is exactly what you're saying, right? Yep. Yeah, it's easy to feel like you've made a difference if you are having an argument with somebody um, on social media. So you feel like everybody that came along and liked your post or that liked your comment or whatever, you've made a difference. Mm -hmm. You haven't made any difference. No. You may have shared an idea or a point of view with that person that they can take and use in their sphere of influence, and that's great. But where you actually make a difference is in conversations. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the conversations that we have aren't conversations when you're online. It's you are talking to yourself and you are talking to your echo chamber. Mm -hmm. And then they are talking to themselves and they are talking to their echo chamber. And there's no actual dialogue happening. Mm -hmm. And so what we feel like is making a difference we're just preaching to the choir again. And that's, there's a time and a place for that because technically speaking, when you preach to the choir, the choir is supposed to then go out into the world and disseminate and <laughs> to the world. Unfortunately, right. mm -hmm. if the choir all stays in the same room with you 24 hours a day and mm -hmm. never gets into the conversations in the real world, mm -hmm. you've done nothing but waste your time. Yeah. You might have the greatest idea out there, but if you are not actively seeking out ways of doing things, boots on the ground, mm -hmm. then really all you're doing is wasting your time. I agree with you. Talking to real people. I think you've said that. I've heard Joanna say it. Talk to real people. I spend a lot of time uh, in the barbershop, for example, just answering questions from people. Sometimes for hours, like, well, what about this? What about this? Well, what do you think about so-and-so? What do you think about what this person says? You know, my neighbor told me this happens, you know, and but that helps the most, right? It really does. Genuine conversations change the world mm -hmm. because that's when we get into this is why I believe what I believe. This is why you believe what you believe. Where is the common ground? Mm-hmm. So that's that's really what does all the difference in the world. Yeah, and I think, um, and I don't know if you guys will um, get this reference, um, but but let me know if you do. Um, I think that the there's so many of us who think the real work is in the sexy stuff that you see, and what I mean by that is, for example, in 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 the gun world on social media, right? We're talking about social media. Who is like the biggest person? in the gun world on social media over the last few years. I'm just trying to see if you guys... In the gun world in terms of gun... On social like... media. And specifically, I'll give you a clue, specifically on Instagram. Who's the biggest person that everyone looked to? Julian? No, no. I'll, I'll tell you. And, and this is why I'm saying, like, I, you guys might not be into it, right? And this is how we're all different. Dan Bilzerian. All those dude mofos out there... They know who I'm talking about when I say Dan Bilzerian, right? They were all like, oh, this guy's living the life. He's doing, you know, everyone, that was, that's like who, that, he had way more followers than Coleon Noir or Military Arms Channel or Rock Veteran 
all these guys put together, everyone was looking at him. He's the, you know, he's the guy that was getting, he got on Joe Rogan way before Coleo Noir or, I think Joe, I think Joe Rogan's only had Noir on so far as a gun guy. He mm-hmm. hasn't had any other gun guys on. I've never seen Iraq veteran there or Hickok 45 or anyone else up on there that I would say, hey, that's a genuine gun guy. But that guy was it. He was the top. Everyone's all about that guy. When we find out today, if you if you go pull up Dan Bilzerian, 100% fake. It was all BS. It was all a sham. <laughs> you know, that guy right now is trying to get out of the country. <laughs> Okay, and, and, and avoid getting in real trouble. And everything that we were seeing was fake. And I think that this is, this is no one respects the people doing the hard work. Tony, Tony Simon was here in the chat just now. That's a guy in New Jersey doing the hard work on the ground. Nobody helps him. Or very few, I, I, you know what? I don't want to say no one helps him. People help him, but he doesn't get, he doesn't get the big sexy money. No, and he, just he should. Get he is making a huge difference not even not just in individual lives but he is making a huge difference just across the board with the perception of what gun ownership looks like and i i love tony he's one of my favorites and he's doing it in a place where it's very difficult but there's lots of guys like that there's lots of guys doing it i could just sit here and go through you know um Mm -hmm. you got marge teray you've got kevin dixie you know, there's lots of people um, that are doing this, that are out there fighting for things. You've got yourself. You've got Rob Pincus. You've, you know, there's so many folks that I've had come on here. I've had uh, several people from the DC Project on here. I've had uh, folks, you know, from California, from this place, from that place, come on the show talking about this. And the number one thing that we always get to is like, where's the money? But it's not. If if there's not big sexy behind it. There isn't any money. But here's the problem. I mean, I agree that I always say this. um, I advocate for using your voice. That's the biggest tool that everybody has. um, And getting outside of your echo chamber, definitely. um, Because how we win this war against guns is changing the culture. Um, Making guns you know, not stigmatized anymore. It's not scary. It should be just like it was in the past where it was a tool that everybody had. And it should still be a tool that everybody has, whether you live in rural USA or you're walking down the streets in New York. Um, but it is easier to win that battle, that culture battle with money. You know, people, I mean, right now, what's going on in America right now is, is there's been a huge change, a huge shift in how people think over the last four years. And it, a lot of it has been, in my opinion, because of what they're seeing on their TVs. It's programming. Okay. And I, that takes money. For sure, yes. for sure. And it takes it takes attention from the big dogs. So here's a couple of people. Mm-hmm. Like Clover Tax said he <laughs> thought I was going to talk about uh, Demo Ranch mm-hmm. for a minute. And Demo Ranch is, I don't know if he's a... I thought, I thought you were going to say Matt from Demo. Yeah. Because to um, me, I think he is the biggest gun tuber. On, uh, well, on YouTube is for sure. Since we lost FPS Russia, and FPS mm-hmm. Russia is out there, but he can't do gun stuff because... His gun rights got taken away from from him for something really stupid, and there's no one actually out there fighting for, you know, to help him. He was on his own, so he's not doing the gun thing anymore. Um, but he's still out there. Demo Ranch is the guy, but Demo Ranch doesn't get into politics. To be honest with, and I like Demo Ranch. I don't know him personally. I think I've been in one of his videos for a couple of seconds because I was standing next to him. 
Um, <laughs> that doesn't really uh, that doesn't really mean anything. But I, I think he avoids the political thing, uh, which is his right to do that. And I think at the same time, you know, there's some people at that level that don't help anyone else that's way smaller <coughs> than them. Like one of the things I noticed is that he started a T-shirt thing. That's only for other dudes that have over a million people or whatever. Mm -hmm. So there's just some guys like that. I'm not knocking it. That's him. He could do what he wants to do. Um, but there are people out here like, I don't care. I bring people here on this show and we do all of this. I have people come on here that have zero people following them. You know, I don't. And I go from zero to I've had dudes come on here that have a million people, you know, people following them on one platform. So I don't um, I don't count that. And we're never going to see someone like Demo Ranch get political and do anything about it. And I don't I don't think we could spend a lot of time uh, crying about it. Someone else says Stephen Crowder is a big two-way advocate. I believe Stephen Crowder is a big political um, conservative advocate, and I appreciate that. I don't feel he's a big two-way advocate. Sorry. If he he does. A, he is he's sponsored by uh, Rolando in the chat. I forget who is a sponsor, but he has a gun sponsor. And he has, uh, I, I think it's, I'm not, Clark, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's Walther. Uh, I'm not um, sure. Yeah, he, I, I don't know if he's still sponsored by Walther. He may still be. I know I'm. But he used to have a gun right in front of his desk. For sure. I don't really like Steven Crowder. The show. Yeah. Just not sure. my type Let's, of humor. But I like Steven Crowder too. I'm not trying to say anything there. I'm not sure mm -hmm. if he's sponsored by Walther anymore. I know I am, <laughs> right? For full disclosure, but I, I have no clue of what's going on with Crowder, and Walther. Um, and I know right now I think he's sponsored. And I look at his stuff. He's sponsored by uh, Black Rifle Coffee. What does that mean? When have you seen? Was Rebecca? Have you been on Crowder? I'm not. Um, I I watch yeah. Crowder, but um, I I'm just gonna shout out that if Black Rifle Coffee just wanted to send me coffee, that would keep this mom running. So yeah, absolutely, I'm just gonna say, I mean, Black, and Black, I don't even need money. Right, Black Rifle Coffee. I'm not. Listen, I'm not trying to knock anyone here. I'm not trying to knock Crowder. Black Rifle Coffee is doing a lot of stuff, especially for veterans, which they are. Yes. You know, yes. Um, Crowder's doing a lot of things that I support, but I mean, honestly, I don't see gun dudes showing up there, you right. know, on that. I mean, I think it might have happened. Someone will correct me. Might have been one or two guys. But if that was, if someone says, oh, he's a big 2A advocate, then why wouldn't you use your platform to give light to people? This is one of the biggest problems, and I think it goes to what Rebecca's saying. It doesn't have to be money. If you have a platform that millions of people are looking at it and we're all out here trying to build our things, you can help by just having someone come on your platform. You don't have to give them a thousand dollars. If you have them on your show, people might go, hey, we're going to help out Rebecca and One Million Moms Against Gun Control. Here's a thousand dollars. I will say something Stephen Crowder did do for the Second Amendment was he, I don't know if you know Tim Pool, but I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong and again in the chat, Rolanda, but I, I think the story was that Steven Crowder uh, gave Tim Pool a rifle and turned him into a gun guy. And Tim Pool's show gets 60,000 views a night. So, and now the guy is talks about guns all the time, which he never used to. Right. So he may not be an official two-way person like all the time, but I think he is spreading his influence. And now someone who's a, you know, just a news guy is out there with 60,000 views talking about guns pretty much mm -hmm. on a regular basis, on a weekly basis. So I do applaud him for that. I, I agree with you. I think that's all great. And I think I've seen um, uh, Tim Poole saying that he's a gun guy now. 
Mm-hmm. That just needs to go a little bit further is what I'm trying to. You can just help. That's why I do this, by the way. You know, and I'm not trying to turn it about me because we all already know I'm awesome. But this is part of the fight. Getting the culture to to change, to make it acceptable, to have those conversations. You're doing it on your level, too, as we do on ours and Rebecca Mm -hmm. does on ours. Mm -hmm. We're all doing it. Yeah. So we're doing it, even if someone thinks it's not, you know, getting, you know, just a camera and, and a mic. And trying to spread your message, yeah, some of it's an echo chamber, but I happen to know, like, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to just be like, hey, check this out and send a, a link. And then they, they, you know, a friend of yours who might not be into it sits there and listens and then they're like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I got to sit here and listen to the whole conversation and I feel, you know, different about it now. So it is a huge thing. Well, and let me, let me flip it on you like this. If you guys are all fans of these guys, why don't you talk to them? You're their fans. Talk to them. Say, hey, uh, Joe Rogan. Can we get some more gun dudes on here? You know, can we get a couple more of those conversations? You know, talk to Crowder. Say, Crowder, you know, there's some cool gun guys out there. <coughs> Might be cool to see those guys drop in every now and then uh, on your thing. Same thing with Tim Pool. And I'm not, I'm not, don't do it for me. Maj, okay, Maj was on Tim Pool. <laughs> um, I, I heard about that. I heard him saying he was. I haven't, I haven't seen it. I, um, and it wasn't, I think I tried to look for it. I didn't find it. But we it, need it to do. We need yeah. to get more of that. I don't know. Was Mahjong there talking? I know. Obviously, he's Black Guns Matter. Yeah, they. Was, they. What was he talking? I actually about? was a little bit disappointed because I watched that episode, mm-hmm. and I feel like Tim was a little bit like super excited to have Mahjong, mm-hmm. and like didn't he usually like explains the background? But the their chat was going crazy because they thought he was Black Lives Matter. And it was just a disaster. See, like there was so many people. Like because Maj is not on enough stuff for people to know the difference yet. Yes, that's what we all need. And yes. and and so we're all part of the same thing. We're in the same community as believe it or not, Joe Rogan. He's kind of in our community. We're in the same community as Crowder. We're in the same community <laughs> as Tim Pool. We're in the same community as a lot of these guys. For that matter, look, I was just looking at Alex Jones. Today, while I was editing and working, I was looking at Alex Jones on Joe Rogan. I thought it was awesome. But Alex Jones doesn't use his platform to talk about a lot of this stuff. We're just, we need that kind of networking to go because we're all on an island. You know, Mm -hmm. even though they're not necessarily big gun guys, they believe in the Second Amendment. You know, we're not necessarily big political creatures, but we're, we may be conservatives. We believe in the Constitution, and we're not ex- we're not helping each other. We're in, it's we have the resources, and it's not all about money. I think that's the powerful thing that you said, Rebecca. It's not all about that. We could do more with whatever we have, and if we just yeah. look around at whatever it is. So right now, the folks who are out there, if you're on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, you could follow. Rebecca, you could follow Joanna, right? And you could, you could, someone else that you're following that's a big baller in this thing, you could, you could say to them, hey, how come you don't, you should seek out this person? That might yeah, help. just introductions, just, yeah. just like you would at a party mm-hmm. with your friends. And hey, have you met this person? Mm-hmm. That's really what's going to change the dynamic. When I was explaining to friends and family, people who aren't necessarily in the Second Amendment world, whenever I was explaining to them about the 2A rally and I was fangirling a little bit here and there on some of the speakers and stuff like that, it's this glassy look. These people enjoy their guns. 
they are conservatives, they may be even politically minded, but they don't have a clue who I'm talking about. They don't, they didn't know. So I would be like, oh, hold on, hold on, let me find it. And so then I would look up whoever it was and have them watch something. And they're like, wow, this is great. And I'm like, how did you not know that this, I mean, I see them every day. How do you not know that this is a thing? And so we, in the Second Amendment community, have a tendency to put people on pedestals or kind of fangirl or fanboy over them or whatever, and we forget to introduce them mm-hmm. to our friends who are not part of that same Amen. That's culture. gone away from the world for some reason. Yes. <laughs> our world, and so at least. we need to be doing more of that, mm-hmm. but we also need to be taking the people that we're meeting within the Second Amendment community mm-hmm. and introducing them to our other friends in the Second Amendment community. Mm-hmm. Because, like, up until this evening, I haven't had a chance to meet you yet. Mm-hmm. And I, I met her, and everything's great, mm-hmm. and I love her. I, I really do. They're oh, some okay. of my favorites. <laughs> That's good. And, uh, That's good. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I hadn't met you yet, mm-hmm. and... I mean, I've been doing this for eight years. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's just interesting. We tend to get in our little bubble, mm-hmm. in our little comfort zone, and we forget the basic introduction. And we, as as a group, so right. just have to be doing better with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I couldn't. I couldn't have said it. You know, my my ramblings you took and boiled it down <laughs> to uh, a very simple truth. You know, I was looking at NFAC. Do you know about NFAC? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was looking at the NFAC people, and regardless of what, you know, sometimes we like to laugh at people, and whatever it is, I get it, I'm, I'm with it. There's something really powerful about those guys. If you frickin' mention them, if you put NFAC in the title of anything, they get all up in you, yes. right? They're active. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you something, have either one of you looked at the uh, show on um, Amazon Prime, The Boys? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do know. The superhero one. Yeah, there's this... Okay. Yeah, there's this show about superheroes on there, and I'm not... No spoilers or anything in here, but in, in this season, which was terrible, I'm just going to say that, the second season was pretty bad, but there's a part in there where one of the bad characters, the bad guys in there says, like, you know, she was basically going out there and destroying other people's character on the internet. And she said, I did all of this to you with 10 nerds in a basement. And that's super truth right there. You know, yes. the, the, the NFAC folks are not actually a ton of people. But when their name is mentioned, good or bad, they're in there. The thing is, is that in whatever community we have here, people are doing things, nobody supports it. Oh, wait, that's not me. That's not my cause. Mm-hmm. I'm not down with that. So you're not introducing to people, people to people. You're not saying, hey, how come you don't do this? You're not sharing things. You don't have to give money. You could just share something. And if you help that thing escape the algorithm that all these platforms are setting up, it'll reach someone out there who will go, you know what? The best thing I can do is give some money and help these guys out. But no so that one thinks like that. six degrees of separation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that, you know, we're just not thinking like that and we don't realize the power that we do actually have. And I get it. There's lots of uh, there's lots of infighting and all that kind of stuff yep. like you would see anywhere else. Uh, I'm super aware of that. 
uh, <laughs> you know, um, but we, we need to do that more. I think that's exactly how we, we could get the money that we need. But in the meanwhile, if we don't get the money, we could still make things happen and move more in that direction. Everyone doesn't realize what Mars Teray is doing at, you know, Black Guns Matter. People don't really get it, you know, um, but it's because we're doing a bad job. We're not even helping keep that keep that guy motivated, right? And we don't think that. I think I was having that conversation with him. And a lot of times when you're the kind of people that we are, you get out there and you help people all the time. What happens? No one thinks you need any help. Yep. No one thinks you need any encouragement. You know, sometimes people don't realize you need to lean on someone so you don't fall down. You know, so... Um, yeah, I think I think that's the thing. We definitely don't have as much money as the other side. It doesn't mean that it's over. We could get it. We could work better with what we have, but we don't. So, shame on us. Is that is that too negative? No. I think it's, it's truthful. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And and we can do better. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's on us mm-hmm. to do better. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. I agree with that. I agree with that. Okay, so we got we got some time. We still have some time here. Uh, let's see what other things. I'm gonna let you guys. Maybe you guys have like a question for me or something like that, or for the audience out there. Come on, hit me. Uh, are either of you guys going to Shot Show this year? Shot Show. Okay. Uh, Rebecca, I'm gonna. Let I miss I miss people. Okay. <laughs> I do not. As of right now, I do not have plans to attend shot but mm-hmm. that could change it all have just you kind of have you been attending have you been attending i have not oh, okay no that's that's a lot uh i'm from rural kansas that's a lot of people and a lot of stuff happening mm-hmm. <laughs> and i i do i absolutely love the camaraderie that goes along with it and all of the networking and the building and all of that um, up until this point, I have just kind of shied away because that's that is about as far from my scene as you could possibly get. Mm-hmm. So it's if if things change, then I am more apt to go this year than I have ever been before because I also I miss being with people. I miss having the conversations and, and actually actively engaging with other members of our community. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, my thing, I, I feel that same thing. I think we feed off of each other's energy as human beings. It's kind of like a drug and it's the, the best one, right? The natural yeah. drug of being with each other. And I think that, I don't know if SHOT Show represents that for me so much. Usually SHOT Show is the place that I go to and I get my hands on things. Um, maybe I talk to some companies out there and I, I can see eye to eye like, okay, these guys are a waste of time. You know what? These guys are cool. Maybe we could, you know, we could actually do some things together. I think that's really important, right? Um, but I think, and I do see people at SHOT Show, mostly people in the industry. So I think it's more like a high school reunion. Yes. <laughs> so you get to see these folks who, you know, uh, you kind of remember from the past <laughs> six months or a year ago. I think it's good for that. The NRA annual meeting was the thing for me where I actually got to plug into the people 
who do look at my, my videos and who subscribe to my channel or who follow me on social media. And even though a lot of those people, you know, they do encourage me online, it means so much more to see them in person and know that a real human being actually gives a crap about what you do. Yeah. You know, and I think that uh, re-energizes me more than anything. Um, you know, uh, CloverTech says, I think that Hank and Lola still owe me a dinner during shot. You will never see me then. <laughs> Good, luck. Good luck trying to collect on that one, Clover. <laughs> yeah, so I I would just say that. Do you, do you um, I mean, there wasn't NRA, the NRAM was canceled. Do you ever go to NRAM? I go, I go to the NRA uh, convention every year, mm -hmm. and that's really where most of One Million Moms Against Gun Control, that's where most of our interaction is mm -hmm. between um, actually physically introducing people that come find us and say, oh, we love you guys, and we, we follow you, mm -hmm. and how do I do this? And so we can physically take that person to the booth of someone who is actually involved in what they're trying to learn about. Mm -hmm. And so it's being able to, it's one thing to do that over the phone mm -hmm. or through the computer. It's a completely different thing if you are in person introducing someone who needs the information to someone else who has the information. Mm -hmm. And we ride that high for a year every time. It's fantastic. Okay. So what do you, what do you, um, since we didn't have it, yeah, right, we missed out on it this year. Who knows if we're going to see it? Who knows what's going to even happen to the NRA? What do you think about all that? <laughs> Should we come up with another sort of meetup like this for everyone in America and move that around the country? I think that that would be a great idea. Um, mm. If it would be very difficult to do. Um, you would have to really start at square one and you would have to do all kinds of advertising again. It would take incredible funding mm -hmm. and it would take an incredible amount of dedication from volunteers mm -hmm. to actually get it done. Mm -hmm. um, but honestly, I think all of us in the community have missed all of this so much that we would find a way to get that done just mm -hmm. so that we can have this but in person. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's a lot of micro meetups going on, you know? Yes. There's a lot of small things going on. Do you guys think that they will ever let us out from under these lockdown restrictions, like regardless of who wins an election? <sighs> that big cup of coffee. Depends. You're going to have to take another <laughs> sip first with that, Joanna. <laughs> I uh, I think it depends on how well or not COVID goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really? Um, I, I don't have any hopes. I mean, I'm reading mm -hmm. articles. Like my, my siblings are, are doctors. They keep sending me articles about like, I don't know who how they're coming up with these uh, these these numbers. But I read an <clears throat> article that was like, COVID is going to be around until 2024. I'm like, that's not encouraging. Um, so. Yeah, I yeah. think there's some, I've seen some numbers, Rebecca, that say we're going to have to deal with this for at least like 10 years or something. Yeah. It's a virus. We're going to deal with this virus for all of eternity. There will, in a few years, be something else that we're dealing with. That's, that's the nature of the thing. Mm -hmm. um, I think that 
we won't see an end to the restrictions until just everyday normal American citizens put an end to the restrictions by not complying. Mm -hmm. I think it all goes back to we get more of what we reward. And if we continue to feed into all of the restrictive um, basic tyranny that is coming from our governorship um, and trickling down into our local communities. And I'm not at all saying that it's not a real virus and that mm -hmm. people aren't really dying. Mm -hmm. it, that all of that is really true. I'm just saying that we have never taken a virus threat to this level, to where we have overlords in the government determining how many people we can have at Thanksgiving dinner. Mm -hmm. That's That goes mm -hmm. beyond anything yeah. that any of us ever right. How many people can get together in a church and how many people yes. can go into a Walmart at the same time? I think at some point yes. we all have to get kicked off the plane. You will yes. all have to go into the Walmart and get banned at the same time, you know? Uh, yep. If these restrictions actually made sense, though, I think it'd be easier to swallow. But I've actually yeah. gone to, like, business meetings for work, and there's, like, oh, we're seven people. The restriction is six. So two of you are going to have to sit at the table next to you instead of at the actual table. I'm like, we're still breathing the same air. Yeah. Just yes. because I'm, like, half well, a foot away at the next table doesn't make any sense. It's stupid you have to have the mask on when you go in, but then when you sit down, it's fine. We're we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get sick. It's terrible, and and you know some of us aren't gonna survive that, and that's horrible. But we're never getting away. Anything could happen. Asteroid could hit. This thing could have that. You know, there's always things. It comes along with life. Unfortunately, you're living. You you have the possibility of dying, or getting really sick, or getting damaged, hurt. It's the risk that we take to be human beings or anything alive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My mom actually has congestive heart failure. And so this is a very real and a very scary thing to all of us in the family, because if she were to contract a disease that would uh, attack your lungs, your ability to breathe, that could be life ending for her, which is life changing for all of us. Mm -hmm. However, my mom also made a comment after she wasn't able to see her grandkids for months she said, listen, I would rather have more life in my days than days on my life. Mm -hmm. This is this is what matters to me, is the living of my life while I have it to live. And so it really did help change the perspective of all of us in the family, because it's it's absolutely true. What's the point of adding more days if you're going to be behind your four walls and restricted from doing anything that brings you joy. Mm -hmm. it's It just doesn't make any sense. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Okay, listen, we're, we're like we've done two hours. It doesn't really seem like it, but, you know, I'm sure if we just keep going here, we could, we could probably burn through another two hours. I think it was a good conversation. What do you guys think? Yeah, I had a good time. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, I didn't run my mouth too much. No, not today. Oh, no, not today. <laughs> I think that was me this time. No, no, no. It, it was great. So here's what I want to do bef uh, before we actually get out of here. Uh, I want to give you guys an opportunity to tell these folks out there what they better do. <laughs> you know, exactly how they could follow you, communicate with you, and support you guys. Um, I'm going to start with Joanna. Joanna, if you could tell the folks how they, how they can do that. 
Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Latina Locked N, the letter N, Loaded. And we have a podcast on every Sunday, my husband and I, on the uh, Locked and Loaded Latinos. Sorry, we flip it around. It's mm. uh, Locked and Loaded Latinos yeah, on totally YouTube. Dope. It's driving me crazy. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's a story behind that. Mm. I don't have time to tell. I'll tell it to you next time. Mm. But um, No, you can tell no. the story right now. I want okay, to know, so why, why do I have to, to be... get driven crazy over this thing? Okay, so it all happened in uh, D.C. last year when I finally, on Sunday after rally, I said, okay, I need to come up with something. Because Rolando has that, you know, fancy alliteration. He's the Puerto Rican pistolero. So I was like, I need something. So we were sitting on a, the train going around uh, D.C. sightseeing. Um and he came up with it and he was like, he said, the locked and loaded Latina. So I said, hold on, let me do a Google search and make sure this isn't something sketch already. So it turns out locked and loaded Latina is a porn. Oh, boy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we had to flip it around and say Latina locked and loaded. Uh-huh. So that's uh-huh. why it, it's flipped. So oh, why not the, the podcast? Is locked yeah. and loaded Latinos the because there's Cuban no porn commi- for that. No, well, you're not Cuban. What, uh, what, no, I'm what's not. your? Uh, I'm just. I'm uh, Dominican and Colombian. Okay, Colombian cutie commando or something like that. Because honestly, I don't identify as just one. I, oh, I, I identify okay. as both. It's kind of hard. <laughs> all right, just make it easy on the <laughs> on the rest of us. That's all I'm asking. For. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. But yes, our podcast is on Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern mm-hmm. on YouTube. Go check it out. Yeah, and it's a great show. You guys should definitely check that out. Rebecca, um, same for you. You know, how can the folks out there uh, find you on social media and other places and also support you? Okay. Um, I'm going to start out with saying that I guarantee there are a bunch of people out there right now going, say, don't say. Yeah, you probably should have never told that story, but that's why we do this. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. I had no idea. Okay, it is. You can find me. Um, just look at my name. It's Rebecca Schmoy. Um, and on Facebook, it is Rebecca Schmoy 1MMAGC. And on Instagram, it's just my name. Also, you can look at One Million Moms Against Gun Control and find me there. Or you can find me as the Kansas State Director of the DC Project. And so I'm really, I'm kind of all over the place and you can find me just by my name. Awesome. Awesome. I thank you guys so much. Uh, What I'm going to do on my part is remind everyone to go to HankStrange.com. I want to thank Harry's Holsters. Once again, use the code HankStrange to get 10% off at Harry's Holsters. You guys stay right there. I'm going to run in the end before we get out of here. Big thanks to everyone who's been hanging out with us. Make sure you smash those thumbs ups. Here goes the end. All right, guys, so thanks so much to all of you for for being here. Make sure you smash the thumbs up, ring the bell so you can be notified every time we go live. Um, You know, we're going to rip out the audio from this, and we are going to put it up on iTunes and all the other places that you get your audio podcast. People listening to us everywhere. It's growing every day. I appreciate that. Big thanks to Rebecca Schmoy of uh, One Million Moms Against Gun Control, as well as Joanna of Latina, Locked and Loaded. That's her name, but it's 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 Latinos Locked and Loaded also. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> I'm not locked even, and Loaded Latinos. Locked and Loaded Latinos. <laughs> yeah, we, we just went through it, and it's already 
Uh, <laughs> it's already messing me up. Um, everyone out there is, uh, is saying that this was a great show. Uh, basically due to you guys. has nothing to do with me. Um, Simon Says Train says this was a really good show. I hope they will come back on. He's telling Lola that. Um, lots of people saying that. Bricks uh, was saying Wonderful Women Wednesdays. At it again. Thanks, ladies. And Hank, um, I do really appreciate all you guys. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, who wants the last word here? Let's see. Who wants the last word? Rebecca, you want anything? Drop some wisdom uh, on us, Rebecca. <laughs> you could do it. Uh, I know that's can. a dangerous thing because I can talk for a long time. Um, get involved in your community. Do whatever it is that you were specifically designed to do. And help other people with that. It's not enough that you are good at it. You've got to be good at it to benefit those around you. Whether it's the Second Amendment community, whether it's where you live, get involved. That's It all boils down to if you want to see change, you have to be change. Ooh, I like that. Awesome. Amazing. You rock, Rebecca. And, and you, Thank Joanna. You. We're out of here. Uh, you're K-pop, though. Joanna, okay. <laughs> we're out of here. Peace. See you guys. <laughs>